what pops up a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start off with some talking And some moody clips of popcorn fighting Fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on Contest and of course you know it's all about games I said slow down let's just start with the name It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast With the other Jason Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. Today we have dog updates, gaming updates, what I've watched on TV updates, listener mailbag, And Spencer joins me to talk about the 1983 Michael Mann movie, The Keep. Let's get to it. So Tiger, we're pretty sure, is part pit bull, um, which normally would be a no-go in our house. Not because they're not loving, caring dogs, but because there's always that chance if, you know, the right trigger happens, they can snap. Um, We'll see. I see why people love him. He's super cuddly, lovable. He's not scared of people. He doesn't show any signs of being abused or anything like that. He, so he does have an old, old injury that it's all healed up, but basically his, his rear hip, his hip in the back has been crushed into his pelvis and his ilium is wavy instead of straight. So whether somebody kicked him, which is most probable, or is hit by a car or who knows what, but it's all healed up. Um, and like I say, he, like we had the, the guy comes and sprays the house for like bugs and ants and things. And the guy walked by our, our rear sliding door and Tiger just went to the door and was just wagging his tail, looking at him, you know, and when you go near him or do whatever, he like I say, he shows no signs of being an abused dog. Um, he's happy. He's like, I say his real love boys trying to be part of the pack. One-on-one, he works well with Gadget and Maddie. When they're together, initially they were really ganging up on him. You know, Gadget would be playing with Tiger and Maddie would run from across the yard. He'd run over body, check Tiger and run off. Uh, but they've gotten better. They're, they're doing a fair bit better now, so we'll see. We've had one or two times we've had to pull them apart. No blood or anything, like, really bad. I mean, you know, because as soon as you can hear the octave change in their voice and, and whatnot, we pull them apart right away. Um, they're definitely doing better than they did when we first got them home, so we'll, we'll see how it turns out. The big problem, of course, is the fact that Maddie, being a little dog of only, like, 45 pounds, you know, we kind of let him we we did really didn't break da- break his habit of like jumping up and stuff like that so unfortunately now tiger tries to do that and so we, we're now we're having to break everybody of that so we really should have maddie fully trained we should have been better in getting him fully trained before we got tiger in the loop but we're working on it so we'll see we'll see how it turns out um yeah so feel free to Call in if you have comments on pit bulls or getting that third dog as part of the family or whatever you want to talk about. But so far, it's working okay. If here in a few months, you know, we we have signs or ongoing issues, then Tiger will probably go away. But probably I'll give him back to the guy I got him from or find another home for him. But right now, I mean, like I'm here in the backyard right now and him and Maddie are playing you know, the stick, and they're doing fine. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. 
We will see. Gaming recaps. Well, I got to play in Dave Aldrich's OSE game, his Blackmore setting. Created a dwarf. And we went exploring, went through some tunnels. We're trying to find our way to this dwarf to this lost dwarven battle throne. And it went pretty good. We ended up coming across goblins a couple times. The goblins had these like dwarven arquebuses they had captured that kind of cobbled together and got working but we managed to defeat both sets of goblins we came across although we did find out some rules for lighting lanterns in OSE which if you find the tinderbox rules it talks about there's a just a percentage chance of getting that tinder to light so that's interesting when you're in the dark and the only light either you're a dwarf and you can see in the dark or the only lights when the arquebuses go off but we survived that encounter but then my my dwarf got killed by a giant ant, so that was kind of unfortunate. Oh, we also ended up coming across some mushroom priests, and doing and Dave got to go into his gonzoness with this ritual where they got to eat mushrooms, and one of the mushrooms expanded consciousness, and the intellect came out as spores. So the characters you know for every point of intelligence two spores came was floating around and the character had to recapture their intelligence so they could potentially raise their intelligence if they caught more than their starting intelligence but other characters could potentially steal it as well or if the character didn't capture you know enough their intelligence might drop so that was interesting there's another spore that put them in the body of a nearby like small animal uh, which is or a small creature i should say which is interesting um, there's another one that was, it was basically was a save versus death, but it was a deadly poison. So it was a pretty interesting session, like Dave's always are. It's a shame the dwarf died, but, you know, characters in OSE are quick to make, so I'll definitely be back. I've rolled up a one-hit point uh, thief, so I'll bring that to the next session. We'll see if it survives. I also played another session of Shandy Andy's OSE game, so lots of OSE going on. In that game, I've my character, Dan, died, as I've relayed in the past, Barbarian, but there's another player who couldn't keep playing with the game. He had to leave, or they had to leave. I don't know if it was a he or she. And um, they had a wizard. So, or, well, it's, I guess it's a magic user now, I say, right? So they had the magic user, and I, I've taken over that character, and I'm running that character, who hopefully this coming next session will level up second level, which would be kind of cool. Um... But we did lose another character this past session. If you remember, one of the characters had taken this pendant that had kind of turned him really uh, overly brave, you know, brave-hearty, kind of overly um, brave and taking lots of risks. Well, that character ended up dying, unfortunately. Um, but again, we did the, the party did the trick where they ran around through the hallways to come through a back door to surprise the creature from behind, which worked out pretty well. There's also a pit trap in the hallway that had to be negotiated that was interesting. It made us use our spikes and rope and whatnot. But again, wonderful session with Shan Dandy. Lots of fun. And of course, Dave Aldrich's games are always fun. Dave, of course, does drop in, drop out. You can just show up. He runs his on 
right now he's running a Wednesday and a Sunday game. And if you like OSC and you can make a, you, you know, UK evenings, I highly recommend checking that out. Um, I recommend checking them both out, of course, but days might be a little more accessible because he's running more sessions. Um, and actually, that's about it for to give for gaming recaps right now. Nothing much. Boot Hill's kind of dragging a little bit. Players are starting to re-engage. So I think that's going to pick up again, I hope. And the top secret spy game is just getting started. So we don't have a whole lot to report there. I'll probably wait till next episode to, or you know next week to really talk a lot about that. So that's about it for gaming recaps this week. So the other thing I've done recently is I've actually managed to get a fair bit of TV watching in. I'll go periods where I don't watch TV hardly at all, and then I'll binge much of stuff. I've talked, I think, a little bit in the past. I know I've talked about it on Discords. HBO's The Outsider is a great show. It's a kind of a slow burn, but it's, you know, that... I would love to see that replicate in, like, Call of Cthulhu or something. It'd be hard to do. Um, but really great show. Dr. Sleep, the follow-up to The Shining. I watched the extended version, the, direct, the director's cut, I guess. And it's good. It's um, better than I thought it would be. Now, both The Outsider and Dr. Sleep are not for the faint of heart. They're not for people that um, don't want to see violence towards kids. But, yeah, I, th- I think Dr. Sleep is pretty good. Dr. Sleep, now, it follows the novel The Shining, not the movie The Shining. Now, maybe it intermixes a little bit with the movie, but really, if you haven't read the novel, there'll be some holes there for you. Um, so I will say that. From what I understand from reading, I haven't read the book, Dr. Sleep, but from the look of it, it looks like um, like the bad guys, I guess, in the book don't use guns, which is a little bit silly. So it looks like the movie might actually be better than the book in this case. I don't know. I also watched the second season of Nosferatu. So there's only two seasons. They've canceled it. But Nosferatu is Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. It's his story. And it's an urban fantasy. If you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a horror story and really bad, it's really not. It was on TNT, and it's urban fantasy. Now it's dark, but it's definitely urban fantasy. It's definitely something I could see adapted to an RPG. You have different characters that have powers, supernatural powers, and they kind of vie against each other. Um, They don't overly explain a lot in there, so there are some holes as far as how things work, which is okay. But, yeah, it's not bad at all. I, I enjoyed it. So I might recommend that. Um, definitely talked about The Watchmen quite a bit. No need to talk about that. I'm watching Lovecraft Country. And it's interesting. The last couple episodes have been a little different in tone. You know, episode, I guess, four is more like National Treasure. And then five is a lot of character set up. And it's moving the story forward. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I'll definitely finish watching it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's not all like... Lovecraft horror stuff, though, so don't expect that. And, and if you know the backstory behind that and what they were trying to do with it, it shouldn't be anyway. So, the other thing, let me think, what else was uh, The Boys, I'm watching the next season of The Boys. Eh. I really enjoyed the first season of The Boys. This season is fine. Um, I think it's just fine. It's maybe because the first season got all the shocks and things out of the way. You're not shocked as much when they do crazy stuff in this season. 
I know there are a couple things. My wife, who didn't watch the first season, was sat down when I was watching an episode and something happened, and she's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> it, it blew her away. So maybe it's just a shocking if you weren't conditioned to it. But, yeah, it's definitely an interesting take. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Um, the other thing I've been doing, taking a page out of Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue's book, and we've done this before, but when we went and got Tiger, I took the chance with my wife because we're in the car, you know, this long car trip. I read her Perry, one of the old Perry Mason novels, you know, one of the original novels, and she really enjoyed that, you know, while we were driving. And so we're trying to get back into that where, like, we read books to each other, you know, out loud. So instead of watching TV or whatever, we'll sit there, and, you know, and we'll trade off, you know, like I'll read a chapter, she'll read a chapter or whatever. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a good way to, to share that together, that story together. And, and the Perry Mason novels are right up my alley because they're, you know, they fall in that kind of pulpy kind of thing. You know, it's kind of the, you know, you've got the, it, it, for people who aren't familiar with Perry Mason, it's a lot like Law and Order, where the first half is investigation, the second half is courtroom. So, I, oh, I finished the Perry Mason series on HBO. You know, it turned out fine. I'm not a big person for origin stories, so, you know, I can live without having the origin story for every character in the world. They were talking about doing an origin story for Snake Plissken from, you know, um, Escape from New York. And to be honest, I don't want to see Snake's origin story. I really don't. I'm happy just to have him be a character that exists in the world, right? But who knows? Um, Maddie! Anyway, um, yeah, we will see. But, so what was I saying? Oh, Perry Mason. It's fine. Again, if if Violence the Kids triggers you, maybe don't watch Perry Mason, right? Um, so it's, a lot of these shows are, are kind of violent and kind of dark and... You know, I guess because it's cable, they, you know, they have sex and all that stuff in them. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters in there. I, like I said, I could have lived without the origin story, but I'm happy I watched it. So thank you to Carl Rodriguez for kind of pushing me towards that. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, a good recap for things I've been watching. I should mention that if you're going to look for Nosferatu, which I do recommend, I think it's worth seeing. It's a great take on urban fantasy. Um, it's not spelled like the 22 silent movie. It's actually off a license plate in the story. So it's N-O-S-4-A-2. Other things I've been watching. I don't know. We got HBO, thanks to Andy Goodman and Carl Rodriguez. Carl been talking about some of the shows on there, like Perry Mason. And Andy Goodman wanted me to watch the Watchmen TV series. But I've been, So I've been catching up on things I hadn't seen, like all the DC movies I haven't seen like the Birds of Prey movie, um, the live-action one. I'll tell you what, that one has a sequence where Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, has a baseball bat in Police Evidence Room, and that is Weapon Mastery. When you think of these games and a character's Weapon Master, Tiger, no. No. And, you know, it's just, um, that's perfect, the way she's using that bat. And you can find that on YouTube, actually. But the movie, it peters out halfway through. Um, Aquaman and Shazam, they're okay, but you can see why Marvel's really the, the king of the superhero movies. The, what I did watch, though, that really I had forgotten how good it was, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan, and I think some of their movies get kind of forgotten just because they're older, and one of those is Raising Arizona with Nicolas Cage, Holly Hunter, John Goodman, 
um, William Forsyth. So Raising Arizona just has some sequences in there, like the sequence where he is, gets the Huggies and he robs the convenience store and it leads to this extended chase. And he's running through homes and stores, and the police are chasing him, and dog, a pack of dogs is running after him, and Holly Hunter's driving through the streets, and it's just so well done. The Coen brothers are such such a master. They're masters of that film media. Um, yeah, medium. Highly recommended. If you haven't seen Raising Arizona for a while, I'd recommend going back and, and rechecking it out. It's, yeah, for, you know, when I think Coen brothers typically... You think Big Lebowski, you think, oh, brother, where art thou? You know, but this definitely does, belongs up there. And I'd forgotten how good Raising Arizona really was. So, anyhow, let's go on and get to the mailbag. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's screaming is coming from inside the house. The first call coming up is from Barty, the local Lutus podcast. I'm going to warn you, there's a little bit of strong language in there. The interview he's talking about has been recorded, and it is going to be published this Saturday. It will be my Saturday episode. After that, so I, so I'm, I won't have any comments to Barney because it's just kind of answering last episode's call from Andy Goodman and then setting up Saturday's interview where Barney and I talk about the movie Missouri Breaks. After that is a call from Carl, who is also regard, calling about last episode where I answer his comments about Traveler. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, these two calls won't make a whole lot of sense. So I'll go ahead and play them now. Well, now, Mr. Conley, I just got to say that I'm real sure looking forward to tomorrow when we get to talk a little bit about the Wild West and all those kind of things. And I just going to say to you that you don't want to take any of that shit from that grizzly old Andy Goodman up there on the peaks. Now, he got his head so far up his ass, he looked normal. Now, like I say... Don't you be taking no shit from him, because I know that you've been out there rustling the cattle all day, up the brakes there, dodging that old Mr. Braxton. I'm the hell for looking forward and anything else I can get my string, my goddamn senses on the back of the cattle wagon up the way there, and I goddamn chism, goddamn it, I tell you. Now, if I see that son of a bitch in here one more time, I'm going to kick him sick. Well, I got so carried away there, I forgot right dang to say the whole goddamn point. I'm riding the blue pony. You're riding the blue pony. That son of a bitch Andy Goodsman's riding the blue pony. Everybody should be riding the goddamn blue pony, I tell you. Ride it till it turns pink. God damn it. Okay, I stand corrected. You are correct. I'm looking at the 1983 classic Traveler version of the rules, and the rules as written is you die. Uh, the optional rule is you can survive after you've recovered from being injury, injured, and then you, you don't get that term. It's only a two years of the four terms. So I do not see, what I do not see is the word wimp anywhere, 
It just says if the referee or player chooses prior to character creation, then failure of the survival role can be converted to injury. So I don't know where that came from. Maybe you're just angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Although, really, the question is, is Carl angry? Because last episode, he had a great call about power armor and RPGs that I didn't respond to. Well, I didn't comment on, I should say. I did play it on the air. So, to make that up to Carl, what I've done is I've reached out to him, and he's agreed to come on the show, and we're going to discuss power armor and different RPGs. So, look forward to that in the future. Hey, Jason. Spencer here. Just been listening to Pete Jones's episode, um... Dragons are real, the Wuxia episode, and you call in uh, with some concerns about the ICRPG um, quick start rules that have just been released. And I think Hankerin's approach to that, uh, I think he's considered your concerns there in leaving the core rules alone, in saying, look, there's still the core rules, that's the game. If you do want to get up and play in quickly, if you don't want to have to kind of figure this stuff out for yourself, here's a quick way to do it. Here's a quick start guide released as a supplement. And um, yeah, I think that was a very, quite a, quite a clever way to go about it. Um, I wonder what you thought about that. Of course, that's Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands, also known as Free Thrall. And yeah, I, it can definitely be used the way you suggest, no question about it. Whether that was by design or whether it's a happy accident, I'm not sure. But you're you're not wrong. It can definitely be used that way. So great observation there. You're you're always good at that insight thing. And in fact, because Spencer's good at that insight thing, I think he'd be a good guy to talk to about movies. So speaking of Spencer. I have him joining me today to talk about the movie The Keep, 1983 movie by Michael Mann. How are you doing today, oh, Spencer? I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. It's good to see you and talk to you again. So, Likewise. So this is the first, so you watched The Keep the other day. Was that the first time you've seen it? Um, yes, it was. Although it's one of those movies where I... The, the poster for it seems so familiar to me. I couldn't believe that I hadn't seen it. I've obviously seen the poster about back in the day, you know, back, mm-hmm. back when it came out. But, um, yeah, not, not seen it before. Right, and, and it's got a fairly impressive cast, although mm. some of these folks maybe not were as famous back then. But you've got Ian McKellen, Gabriel Byrne, Scott Glenn, Jurgen Proshnow. So, so it's a you know, pretty good cast in there, really. Um, yeah, Kroski's in a lot of movies. It's, I think it, Go ahead. Was it, was it one of Ian McKellen's first films? It's, I don't think I'd seen him in anything prior to that. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. He, he's, it's definitely, you know, like I say, it's 83. It's, it's a younger Ian McKellen there. Mm, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Although he does play an old man, which is, well, he's not an old man, is he? He's, well, he's, he's not, a guy with a, a condition. Right, exactly. So I guess what we need to do here is say that there's going to be spoilers for The Keep and oh, yeah. the novel The Keep and associated properties with The Keep. So so there'll definitely 
spoilers with that one here. Um, well, I haven't, I haven't read the novel, so you'll have to fill in the, the oh, blanks. No, problem. I, no, I will. And, <laughs> and we're not going to spoil the novel too bad, but, but ju just be warned that we will talk about some of the differences. So Ian McKellen, just for what it's worth, he started on the stage in 64, and it looks like his first movie was 69. So he, oh, wow. Although this was actually, according to this, according to uh, Wikipedia, this is only like his fifth movie. He was in 69, he was in The Promise, Alfred the Great, A Touch of Love. In 81, he's in Priest of Love. And then in 83, The Keep. So th this might have been really his first mainstream movie, to be honest. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, and, and, and we can hit that. I, I think one interesting thing about this movie, maybe where you've seen it and seen posters of it, this is one of those famous um, troubled productions. Right. Mm. So this is Michael Mann's second movie, second you know feature film. The first one, of course, yeah. is Thief with James Caan, and in and this one, the studio took it away from. They had problems during production. The their special effects supervisor, Wally Veer, the Veers. I hope I'm saying his name right. He people are going to know him. he did um, 2001: A Space Odyssey, Superman, Guns and Avarone. Yeah, big big yeah. special effects guy. He he died during post-production. And so he wasn't able to finish the special effects. And he had a lot of like special tricks he did and sequences he did. Mm. So that they had filmed the ending for this movie that they didn't use because nobody knew how to cut together and finish the effects that he had started. So right. they, the ending we see in the movie was something they refilmed later. It wasn't, the original ending had the, had the two characters fighting on the top of the keep and then the keep would crumble and they would, they would fall like into this dimensional portal or something, but, right. but they couldn't finish the effects. So they had to refilm mm. it. Um, or the original cut for this movie was 210 minutes. And then, yeah, the, did, you know, the, the final cut of course is only what, 95 minutes, I think 96 minutes. Mm. So, and, and that original cuts never been released. There are some, uh, some bits are out there when this was put out on television, like they did a lot, they did this a lot in the seventies and eighties. They'd film, especially the 80s, I think. They'd film a movie, and then they would insert scenes that they had cut from the from the theatrical show or theatrical showing. They would cut them into the TV showing to extend it, at least here in the states. Right. So, like Halloween, Halloween two have extended sequences because they put in TVs because they had these things from the floor that they put in the TV versions to extend the length of the film to meet you know, the running length for showing it right, right. on nighttime TV. And this had the same thing. This had a, there's a happy end. Like in this theatrical version, it just ends with the, um, what was her name? The, the, our female lead at, um, Alberta Watson playing Eva. She, she's turning, just looking back at the keep, but in the actual TV, in the TV version. And then, you know, in the original visioning, uh, Glenn or, um, Blake and survives and they get together. So it, it's, it's interesting, but obviously mm. you could tell it was pretty cut up when you saw it. As far yeah. as oh the yes. Editing. Yeah, definitely. Certainly that end yeah. sequence is clearly truncated. And um, to be honest, I can't rightly remember if I, if it ends with him coming out or not. Um, I it, seem to be a bit fuzzy on that. It, well, I the, think the, they want to leave it open. Sorry, mm, let me cut you off. Well, the, the version I saw, 
I believe it was taken from a laser disc. So it may not be the TV mm -hmm. version at all. No, that, well, actually, then it, it may, you may have seen part of that cut. The laser disc yeah. actually is one of the few places you can get the, the, the original soundtrack. So the version that there is a yes. version on streaming services now and occasional mm. show up on Netflix or, or whatnot. But it's so apparently one of the reasons we don't have that version on DVD or Blu-ray or rights issues, supposedly about the soundtrack, which, which seems kind of weird to me. You would think that's something they could work out. I don't know. Oh, definitely. Because it's, it's still Tangerine Dream. Who does well, Tangerine Dream dub soundtrack? But they still do it. So, yeah, I don't. But, yeah, it's weird. It's... um. But it's an interesting movie. So, so I've been talking a lot here. Let me shut up and, and tell us your impressions. No, no. Well, I, yeah, it's certainly, it was a great pick, first of all. A great movie to talk about. Um, obviously, it's got a lot of issues. Uh, but I have to say, I think for the first hour or so, I really quite enjoyed the build-up, you know. And um, certainly there's some very interesting effect shots early on where you where you first see the the german soldier going crawling down that the tunnel and he mm -hmm. comes out the other end and the camera pans back and it just keeps going and he's in this vast cavern that you, it's you, very difficult to get your head around the scale of it because he he practically disappears into the distance you just see mm -hmm. this little speck of light and then these like monolith things come up past the camera and um yeah i was really impressed with that and it's funny i don't it kind of i don't think it quite reaches those heights uh, throughout the rest of the film but that was a, such an interesting shot it, it was and this is so early 80s is interesting because like like we mentioned we have tangerine dream so we had the synth sound going on and then the special effects, and it's kind of early-ish special effects, which yeah. are touch and go. The the creature effects for Mosler or Mosler, however you pronounce it, is are, are just ridiculous. He's, he's, mm. He 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 just looks well. Uh, maybe the very first time you see him, yeah, when he's clothed yeah, in smoke say. and just like mm. red eyes and smoke or whatever, but that that's, kind of, that's, that works. That reverse smoke as well. I thought that was very effective. Right, that yeah. works. Yeah. But once they give him a physical form. Mm. He, he he looked silly. He, he looks a bit <laughs> like Skeletor from the the He-Man movie, he, he, he <laughs> Master he, of the Universe. Yeah. It, well, well, you can see where maybe they took the um. I don't I don't know if you've seen, but the, the next Man Age of Apocalypse. I where yeah, Oscar yes. Isaacs is written up Certainly. made up as Apocalypse. Yeah. He looks kind of like that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Speaking of that, and and some of this will be a little out of context. People haven't seen it, but so I think one of the most neglected things in this, and maybe it's because of the cuts. Is Scott Glenn's character, your your mm. quote unquote hero of the film, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. He, you know, he's so enigmatic, so and he's so wooden. I don't know if Michael Mann asked him to be so wooden, but he's he, he's he's almost unreadable, you know, emotionally in, in this performance. But there are times in there, especially certain cuts where you see him. Well, I don't know if you know if you remember, but the creature effects from for Mos for the bad guy for Mosler once he gets and we'll give a synopsis here in a second. But it looks like he has this really, really big neck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And his neck is super muscular. And it's kind of, it almost looks like the heads up, this little heads up on a, tri on a on a top of a pyramid, a triangle. And there are certain cut, there are certain scenes with Scott Glenn where they try to give that same effect. 
don't yes. know if you noticed yeah, that, especially noticed that. near the end, where yeah. it's given that same effect. And the idea with the film, I think what they were going for is they were two halves the same. Mm. Like, it was like one bean that was split into good and evil. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, maybe we should drop back and give a quick synopsis here, just in case. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do, do that? I... I, yeah, I can do that. So the this film is set in 41, 1941, and, the, and we open up with a group of German soldiers going to occupy keep in Romania, in the mountains, mm. and they're led by um, German... Par- Jurgen Prochnow, am I saying his name right? Probably not. Prochnow, it sounds yeah. sounds better than I would. Yeah, he, he's actually, in, he, I actually always enjoy to see him on the film. He's a, he's a good mm, actor. Well, he's, he's Sutter Kane, isn't he, from uh, yeah. In the Mouth of Madness, which is, yeah. I'm not sure what else I've seen him in, but I um, certainly remember that movie because that's, a, I'm, a, I'm quite a fan of that one. Right. M- most of our list. well, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say most of our listeners because I don't know people have seen, um, but people remember him from Dune. You know, he was Duke oh, Leo yes, Atreides yeah. in Dune. Yeah. He was the U-boat captain in Das Boot, of course. Uh, ah, das Boot yes. being a famous role. Mm. He has a, he's also the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop 2. So, you know, he has that going for him. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so Dune and Das Boot, maybe, for, for our listeners. Mm. But... So anyway, they, they occupy this keep, and it's kind of weird. Like, the local villagers are like, oh, well, there's one guy who's, like, the caretaker of the keep, and he says, nobody stays here, and, you know, this mysterious money just appears, and his family for generations has taken care of this this keep. And as these odd, they're not quite crosses. They're, it's more like a T, but the, they're, mm-hmm. like, silver crosses. We'll, we'll just call yeah. them crosses, but they're throughout the keep. And, and pretty quickly, Prashnow picks up the idea that, you know, this is actually a prison, not a, you know, not a fortress to keep, you know, yeah, something to yeah, keep something a... in. And, and anyway, so, and then, but the, like you mentioned, the German soldiers started, they, they think these crosses are silver. And, and so they start trying to pry them off the walls and they manage to pry a block out, which opens up and releases what is trapped in this heap, which is this ancient evil called, by the name of Mosler, or, and I'm Mosler, sure I'm saying. Mosler. Mosler, I'm, I'm, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but that's okay. Um, I should have and, had the wiki page up. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. The so he um, it it's where is it? It's um, actually the well, it's fine. The anyway, this ancient evil gets released, starts killing those German soldiers, and then you know we go from there. The 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 he has to be relieved from the let them leave the keep. Instead, they send a troop of SS there, led by Gabriel Byrne, who does a great job. Mm. And, and the SS start executing the villagers, the idea that, hey, partisans are doing this. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to fix this. So the the bad guy's name, it's M-O-L-A-S-A-R. So however you would pronounce that. Right. Um, Mosler. Yeah. But but anyway, so and then, and we progress, and then you ha- they end up bringing in Ian McKellen and his daughter to the keep to try to translate these this ancient language they found. It looks like Romanian, but it's not inside mm. the keep. And at the same time, we have Scott Glenn, who's woken up when Mosler is released, and he travels to the keep and like say, but he's not developed at all, hardly at all in the film. 
and it ends up that there is a confrontation between the two. Ian McKellen is used as stooge by Mosler to try to take this talisman that's keeping him there. If, if that's removed, then he'll be able to leave the keep. But in, in the end, of course, the bad guy is defeated. That's a quick synopsis there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've got to say, I don't think, I know you don't learn a lot about Scott Glenn's character, Mm-hmm. But I didn't see that as a problem. I kind of, I think it worked that he was sort of enigmatic. I, I think it could work. I think rewatching, I rewatched it yesterday, and he's so wooden. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. yeah. I, I, he he gives hardly any emotion at all, and I and it's I think that hurts the film a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But now I mind you, I the advantage I've read the book, and and so. In the book, everything is much better developed. Um, and, and actually, the book is the first of the series. So the book is by F. Paul Wilson. Right. And he actually, they, did, he, they actually did a graphic novel in 2009, I think, but you know, maybe 10 years ago. They did a graphic novel that was what he wanted the movie to be. Yes. So, yeah. so that might be yeah. worth tracking down. But mm. if, if somebody doesn't want to read the book, but the book is the first in what's called The Adversary Cycle, which is six novels. And it also ties in with the Repairman Jack series, which is a, it, it's got a cult following, at least here in the US. And Repairman Jack's character that he kind of just goes around, like it's kind of like the A-team where he goes around fixing people's problems. Only mm. he, you know, takes money and money for it. But it's, but yeah. he ends up getting tied up into all this. And they're kind of interesting novels. Uh, but in the so in the book though it you know we we know the background a little bit better as far so in the book the idea is that you have two forces like light and evil kind of like if you think about Moorcock the idea of you know long yes. chaos it, yeah. it's effectively the same thing mm. and so, because the the light side isn't necessarily on man's side but it's we're better light cares less about us than than the dark does where the dark wants to manipulate and yes. you, you yeah. know kill men light side doesn't really care but it'll use them as pawns so it's one of those kind of things and and but each of the the two main characters here are basically the champions of light or dark or the light side of the dark side yeah i did feel i did get that from the film i I kind of picked up on that yeah so because it's i was just going to say it's a bit ambiguous about whether scott glenn is a good guy or not especially when he first turns up and you've got a scene i think there's a suggestion that he might be a vampire or something because he doesn't have a reflection in the mirror and he sort of appears to seduce um in mckellen's daughter albert alberta watson is it uh yeah that's actress's name yeah Mm. um the character's eva but forever but yeah exactly he doesn't have a reflection that's and so at the end of the movie what they're going to do is he was going to wake up and he was going to see his reflection in a pool of water because he, he'd been granted made a mortal man as right. you know, okay. a reward for, you know, defeating the other. Um, but it, yeah, it's so in the, in the book, they play up the vampire angle, but not for him, but for Mosler, basically what happens is Mosler convinces the Ian McKellen character that he is a vampire and that he can take down Hitler and all this stuff. And he just right. needs his help. And so he basically, you know, he basically plays Dracula, you know, right. makes Ian McKellen think he's, he's Dracula here to save his people. And, the, and they play the, you, you know, that a lot, the, mm, mm. 
play that up quite a bit in the book. It, yeah, in the film, he comes across as much more of like a, a golem type character. Mm -hmm. I think just because of his physicality. You know. Yeah, I, I I think that's right. Yeah, and in this in the novel, he he does end up taking a much more human shape, more right. you know recognizable kind of human shape. Um, it, but I think so. I find this movie. One of the things I find about this movie is you can see this movie maybe more than anything, but. Last Mohicans shows Michael Mann's propensity to tell story through visual and sound, right? Visual and audio. Mm. It, yeah. You know, not not dialogue, because this movie is kind of light on dialogue as well. But he wants to he wants to tell you that story through his visuals and and through the music. It, you know, and and you see that in all of his movies, you see that. But I but I think this and Last Mohicans probably are the two he does it the most. I don't know. I don't know how many how deep you are into Michael Mann's, you know, um, his not, not too much. I mean, I, I love Heat. Mm. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen Last of the Mohican. And, mm. um, yeah, but beyond that, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't really enjoy the, um, Miami Vice movie too much. Mm -hmm. I remember going to see, was it Public Enemy that he did? He did Public Enemies with Johnny Depp, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt that was a real, um, just, I really struggled to connect the era with the way it was shot, because it's all video, isn't it? Right. He, um, yeah, he's touch and go. Um, hmm. He did, so it, it's interesting, back in, um, I don't remember when he did it. He did, so... When you look at it as movies, you, you know, really the first, as far as theatrical movies, he had some TV movies. But you have Thief, with James Caan. If you haven't yeah. seen that, I recommend that. Right. I highly recommend right. that. Maybe that's when we can talk about in the future. Thief is really good. Um, then you have The Keep. Then you have Manhunter, which was remade as Red, Dra yeah. Red Dragon with Ed Norton, which the remake, I think, is inferior. I think Manhunter is the better of those two movies. Right, yeah, by far. yeah. It's, I have um, seen that a long time ago. But. Yeah, this, what people remember from Manhunter might be the tiger scene, um, and then also the the end shootout with Inagata Davida playing in the background mm. with the Iron Butterfly playing. Um, right, and, and then he did Last of the Mohicans. He did Heat, um, The Insider, which oh yeah, 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 I forgot yeah. about that. Russell Crowe. Where he was, yeah, I think I yeah. I quite like that. Yeah, um, Ali with um, Will Smith, yeah. which I, I so Will Smith lost out. We talked about this. Will Smith lost out to getting the I guess the Oscar that year for right. Best Actor to Denzel Washington for Training Day. But, mm. but Will Smith really inhabited Muhammad Ali. If you watch interviews Muhammad Ali and then watch Will Smith's performance, he really did a great job. Yeah, you, yeah. you know that character. Um, he did Collateral with Tom. Cruise or Tom Cruise oh, that's the right. assassin. Yeah, yeah. Jamie yeah. Foxx. That's, that's yeah. quite interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a good movie. Um, then Miami Vice, Public Enemies, and I think Black Hat was with um the guy who plays Thor, Chris Hemsworth. Now, yeah, I've not seen Black Hat. Yeah, I think that's his, was his last movie, his last mm. theatrical movie. So it's a pretty small catalog, really. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So anyway, the keep is interesting because, like I say. He, he especially when you get towards the end, he's really telling a lot. And with the Scott Glenn character, he's trying to tell a lot just by video and yeah. you know audio. It's not there's not a lot of dialogue there. 
you know, you don't get the idea that he's been around for millennia, you, you know, and you don't get the idea. So in the book, the idea was these characters were around in the first age, which was almost like a, you know, like a Dungeons and Dragons, like a prehistory kind of age before a fall kind of thing. And, and there is a short story out there. I think it's free by Wilson that talks about that, their first meeting. And, oh, nice. and then, yeah, and, and this actually gets dealt, but then he eventually traps him in the keep and then he's been paying upkeep the whole time, but he's effectively immortal while he's guarding Mosler in the keep is the idea. Right, um, okay. But you don't get any, you don't really get any of that. No, no. What's interesting is there, this actually has a direct role-playing tie-in. I don't know if you're aware of this. Really? No, no. Oh, Not yeah. Yeah, so Mayfair Games, they're still around. They used to have an RPG line called Roll Aids. This is in the early 80s. And mm. Roll Aids, it ended up going away because they put on the cover suitable for use with Advanced Legends of Dragons, trademark use without permission. Oh, and... Thanks. <laughs> they and they produced for a couple of years and then they got sued by TSR mm, and, yeah. and the judge ended up saying no it's not really a you know it, it's okay but they ended up I think TSR ended up buying the Roll Aids label and they stopped making right. it but they made a module off this movie with actual you know pictures from the movie or, right. you know in the, in the book mm. I don't know and, and if you go to the dark recess of the internet you can probably find a copy. I don't think they produce that many of these, to be honest. So I don't know how easy it'll be to, I don't know how expensive they are. I haven't tried to look on eBay to, to find a copy, but um, there's, I don't know if you can see that or not. Um, You're just, just, just taking a moment to pop up. Yeah, but yeah, anyway. The, but oh, but the, yeah. the, there is a PDF out there of it. And right. what's interesting about their module for it is, yeah, there you can see them. Mm. <laughs> what's interesting in this module, though, is you play in the first, you, they have three different time periods the characters play in. The first stage, the 1400s, where they in, interact with um, Vlad Tempest, with, with Dracula, and then modern day World War II, where they, inter, they interfere with the Nazis. Right. And, and so it's kind of cool. And, and what they do, what they have a, a breakdown of the keep with all the rooms. Let me find that for you. And what they do is they break it down for each age. So you can see here, you know, for each of the three adventures, they have the first adventure of the right. 15th century and then the modern day. And they give a lot of rules for modern weapons for the modern day. And the, mm. it's kind of a railroad. Um, the Skakland, Glaken characters in here. And he kind of railroads the characters into helping him. And then they end up getting stuck in suspended animation, you, you know, when they're helping. Oh, uh, right. And then, yeah. Yeah. The one thing I find interesting here is at the end of the, th this kind of reminds me of one thing they have in here is a comment that's like you see in um, Rollmaster where they kind of have joke comments. And I don't know. Oh, the other reason I want to pull this up is you can see how they try to skirt around the advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So they have things like um, 30th level character, they'll say like a skill 30 cleric instead. Yeah, skill 12 fighter yeah, instead of saying yeah. a level 12 fighter. Yeah, and they've changed yeah. some of the names of the stats mm. to try to be, you know, try to kind of skirt around breaking any, any rules. 
but th there's a comment in here about the when the players get trapped in, between the second and third adventures. And it's a really odd comment. Here it is, GM note. In order to save the GM's life, the description of imprisonment should be handled carefully. The character's consciousness will end the moment the talisman is placed above the door. They will freeze in the place, hopefully with Mosler, and cannot move, talk, cast spells, or even think. This can be very frustrating for the players, so the GM is advised to move quickly on to the third adventure. With, you know, given the idea that the players may actually physically harm the GM for <laughs> taking away their, their player agency. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of an oddball thing here. But mm. yeah, they also made a board game for this. Really? Yeah. And, and the board game was interesting because what they did with that, I don't know if I can let me get back to the regular screen here. Does but, this all date back to when the film was released? It does. The module came out. I know the module is 84. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, because I just showed so it to you. Like, they had big the, things planned for this movie then because it didn't really. Yeah, it didn't do well didn't at really all. It didn't do anything a, at all. <laughs> no. Right. It, it, yeah, obviously the movie, you know, well, I shouldn't say obviously. So the movie was a flop, um, mm. both both um, critically and, you know, financially. The But I'm sure this game was, you know, caught up ahead of time. You know, because the, there are things like the ending of the movie and all that are tied in with the game that aren't aren't in the final cut of the movie. So, you know, so what I was going to say is with the, um, they also did a board game for this. And with the board game, it seemed to have some interesting mechanics. Like it was asymmetrical. One player played Mosler and the other players would be the heroes. trying to, Right, yeah. And you had to go through there and find... I think the talisman, you know, you had X number of turns to find the talisman. And, and so they were, had to search through the rooms of the keep. And Mosler had 12 pawns he could use to attack them. But each turn, he had to absorb one of the pawns to stay alive. So, so your, your one player started off really strong, and then he weakened throughout, mm. throughout the game as it went. So it looks like it was interesting mechanics. I've never seen a copy of it, though. No, it sounds interesting, yeah. Yeah, I, I should mention that. That's one thing that they didn't bring in the movie that was in the novel. So in the novel, what happens, Mosler ends up animating the dead Nazis and using the, those bodies to oh, attack right. like zombies, which is, which is, you know, adds kind of, it's a that horror, makes no, sense. you know, it's a horror that novel and it adds to it. Mm, mm. Yeah. That would have made, made a difference, I think, to the, it, to the movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if that was ever filmed or not, you know, those, those sequences. Although a lot of the, the deaths of the Nazis, you know, exploding heads and stuff like mm -hmm. that, very Raiders of the Lost Ark to me, you know, oh, that yeah, end sequence there. Yep. Mm. I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, Glowing it's, eyes and, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're t and you're talking the same, and, and you can see that with the special effects, balls of light, things like that. And, yeah. You know, it's the yeah. same era. So but it, it's definitely an interesting movie. You know, mm, one of those mm. kind of failed. You know, it was trying to reach yeah, too far. Yeah. Well, that's it. Um, especially when you consider what, what two hundred and ten minutes? Did you say it's mm -hmm. like sort of yeah pushing three hours, isn't it? So yeah, it's over. Yeah, over three hours. Over yeah. three hours. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got an hour and a half. Fly, so was it? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they wanted um, to cut it to two, and then they 
took it away from him and, and cut it back. Mm, yeah, that's right. Um, but you certainly feel that, kind of, as I said, the, that first hour, it's kind of, they've still kept the sort of slow build. And then all of a sudden, everyone's motivations just seem to completely change. And uh, yeah, everything, <laughs> everything just goes crazy from there on. Because at one point, this, the priest who's Ian McKellen's friend, mm-hmm. doesn't it, there's, I'm sure it looks like he's eating his own dog or something. It, yeah, he is. And so that's <laughs> something they didn't, there's a throwaway line in mm. that where Ian McKellen has come to the village. And so he, his daughter in the village, and Scott, they're talking and Scott Glenn walks out of the building she says what's happening you know what's going on here and and, and scott glenn drops a line about oh the evil spreading to the village and if he right. gets out of the keep it'll spread the whole world i guess they had film scenes where alexandru this the, the caretaker of the keep his sons yeah. would have killed him in a, in a in a scene that was cut and there were other scenes of of violence with the villagers to try to show that the villagers were falling uh, into violence but the only right. thing that made it in the final movie was the priest eating the dog yeah, and it barely makes it in because I had to right. really freeze frame that to see what was going on because you just see him with blood on his face mm-hmm. and you can barely see the dog in the frame. It's just right, right at the bottom of the picture. Yeah, thought, it's, what, is, what is going on there? <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was a subplot they cut out, the idea that mm. evil would spread throughout the world. Right. Which is interesting. Like I said, I don't, I don't know, you know, if, if you're interested... In, in these, the books are interesting. The, the first book's worth reading if you like it. it it's worth going through. Like, say, there's there, there's six of the main books, and then the Repairman Jack series. I don't know. There's mm. another dozen or dozen and a half of those. But but, but it's I, I don't know. It's it's all this movie's always interested me. I've always been a Michael Mann fan, and and, and this one's always caught my eye. It's one of those odd oddities. I mean, and even the soundtrack is a standout, even though it's chopped to pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still hear that. Um, I'd, I'd love to be able to hear that in its entirety. Mm. Which, so parts of it have made it out. I don't know that there's whole, I'm pretty sure a soundtrack, what, a soundtrack soundtrack was released, you know, an album. But, mm. but you know, I don't know how complete it was. And from reading on Wikipedia, other parts that have been released on other on other Tangerine Dream albums. But yeah, they now he's worked with them quite a bit. He used them for Thief again, or before this, he used them for Thief. Oh right, right, yeah. Because yeah. I think I read that originally was it Laurie Laurie Anderson produced a soundtrack for the film. Ah, that, that may be right. Used. Um, and she was well, she was mm-hmm. big at the time, wasn't she? I mean. I'm not sure when Superman came out, but yeah, that was number one over here. And uh, right, no, I, yeah. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, Laurie Anderson had a rejected score, which became the basis for material on her album Live, United States Live. Right. Right. So yeah, so apparently there was a. Oh, so that's the issue with the soundtrack. So it says the full score can be found in laser disc version of the film. So what you found has the full laser disc. It looks like they only made 150 soundtrack CDs that were sold at a concert by Tangerine Dream in 97. Uh. And Virgin Records said it was going to be released, but then it got stopped due to legal issues. Oh, that's got to be somewhere. 
Yeah, and then they said, in, <laughs> but their '82 album Logos Live has some some tracks. But yeah, yeah. I'm sure somewhere on the internet it's out there. Mm. Yeah, Tangerine Dream is one of those. You know, you know I, I always find it interesting some of these groups that have made it. You know, done soundtracks. And it's interesting to, to follow them. Oh yeah, well they've done. Uh, one that springs to mind is uh, Sorcerer. Right. Yeah. Great we, movie. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I think, I'll tell you another one they did. It's, it's, well, they've done a, a number of great movies, right? But they, mm -hmm. Firestarter, which is a movie I think oh, is better right, yeah, than it gets yeah. credit for, I think. Um, yeah. But, I'll, I'll yeah. have to, I think I'll have to go and revisit that as well. It, it's yeah. got problems. Firestarter, maybe mm -hmm. that, maybe that's one we should, we could do an episode on because Firestarter has problems, but it's got potential and it, it sticks semi, it sticks pretty close to the book actually of the Stephen King you know adaptations it's pretty close but right, yeah tangerine dream the other big thing people would know is legend probably oh legend yeah of course yeah. yeah yeah i mean they did risky business and some other things too but but as far as this kind of genre legend would be the mm. one yeah 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 but well hey so i i appreciate your coming on the show to talk about this spencer well, thank you very much it's been a pleasure uh, yeah. Like I say, I love love talking films, and uh, it was great to have an excuse to watch this. I found it really interesting, despite all its uh, issues. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, great movie to talk about too. Yeah, definitely. So, thanks very much. Okay, well, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Yeah, we'll do. Take care. And that wraps up our show. I want to thank our callers. I want to thank Spencer for putting up with me dominating the interview and i want to thank you the listener if you have any comments you can reach out to me on anchor leave a message you can email me at nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com you can send me an audio file that way if you don't use the anchor message system or you can look me up on discord i want to thank ray otis for the clip art and i want to thank tj drennan who provides all the music for this episode take care Joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the Sure is a dustman and your moil is quite a tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world is gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck